A positively chirpy David Moyes. The rain came, but the football wasn't in vain. And now mainly on a plane in Spain. Welcome to the Ramble. Tuesday the 4th of May, I'm Jules Breach. <laughs> I'm Jim Campbell. <laughs> that is so bad. And I'm Vidushi the Hunter Archer. <laughs> I just we, did it then, shall I? Are we keeping that? We're keeping that, yeah. Uh, can I just say, right, I wrote the first bit and uh, thank you, Charlie, who just absolutely sabotaged the running order with the extra <laughs> bit on the end there. And I thought, hang on a minute, does he want me to say that? I just did a full anchor man. You did. You did. You did. <laughs> it's the first time I've done that. <laughs> I didn't know you were so easily swayed. If someone was to get rid of you, uh, you know, PLP or BT Sport, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Good Nabby morning, <laughs> uh, well, welcome along, everybody. It is a Tuesday. Uh, we've just had a lovely bank holiday here in England. It rained the entire time. It did. Uh, Jim, any more falling into canals? No, I've no. stayed on dry land. Uh, I'm just letting my bruised ribs and my pride recover. Not my pride. I don't, don't do any heavy of that anymore. <laughs> it's easier without it. Um, but yeah, Jim, it's been quite boring, actually. Just, oh. yeah. Codeine, though. So. Oh, that's why. That yeah, that's been flat on that's the been sofa good. the whole week. Exactly, that's yeah. why. Uh, Vish, what about you? <laughs> I'm, I'm here to t- tell you, Jim, that it's not much safer on land. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, had a, I had a lovely bank holiday weekend. It started with a quite a catastrophic hangover. Um, and you started the bank holiday with this with a hangover. Yeah, yeah. Well, so does it start? I mean, it starts on Saturday, doesn't it? Well, bank holiday. Yeah, yeah. I, sort, I suppose Friday, so. Yeah. Friday afternoon. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. Well then, well, then it started. It was you know I, I had a great start to the bank holiday weekend, and then I had. A pretty naff Saturday because oh, of that great stuff. What happened? What were you up to? Just, just uh, alcohol-related hijinks. <laughs> alcohol-related um, hijinks. Yes, huh? yeah, yeah. Something crack a rib. Um, <laughs> tankier Uber rating. I don't think I need to say anymore. Oh, what oh. is it? What is it now? You know what? It's probably a gentleman's four point six eight. That's pretty good. I reckon if you're if you're above four point eight, you're a fucking loser. Uh, um, <laughs> Uber drivers like me. Yeah, but you take enough of them for work, don't I you? I talk to them a lot. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't <laughs> so talk to annoying. Them. Oh, I work in football. I'm no, Jules Green. No, I do not do that. You I might recommend me. You know what I always do? Uh, recommend me. Recognise me. Could you put some tunes on? I did it the other day. Could you put some tunes on? And he went, music? I went, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Get a bit of magic soul on. Come on. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave them to it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a good talker. I'm a good tipper as well. A lot of that is, you know, paying for my sins. But... Yeah, no, it was, all in all, a very good weekend. (laughs) Feeling all right today? Yeah, I'm feeling great today, yeah. Any fear left? Any fear left over? A little bit. I mean, I did lie to you about it this morning before the show. You lied to Jim? I did a little bit, yeah. What about? Just about how I tanked my Uber rating. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, want, do you want to tell everyone? I don't... It? Come on, you know, it's, it's, very close it's, to a, chest, it's a Tuesday. No, everyone's getting on with their week. It's stormy outside. Let's not add... I don't want to add to, add to that with my own cloud. You I'd were... say it's better out than in, Fish. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I didn't agree with that. at many points through that journey, and I thought, you know what? Sometimes you can't help it. I've got some advice for you. Smell the back of your hand doesn't work. <laughs> no. Eat more. Yeah, I mean, I should, I should do that, yeah. When drinking, make sure you snack in between. Always order. Why well, do you know few... this is a, this, okay? This is different because you you're a, you're a big daytime boozer and you're a big daytime eater as well. While me? you booze, the way yeah. you, did you see the way you pointed yeah. at me like with aggression there. <laughs> you you're a big daytime eater <laughs> yeah. and boozer. I enjoy my food and a, and a drink. Yeah, that's yeah. not really an insult for me. I'm just I'm just getting really defensive right now. <laughs> He's panicking. Isn't he? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think the fear's gone at all. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure there are many people with the fear from the bank holiday weekend. Uh, but let's talk about last night's football. A couple of Premier League games. I'm not going to lie. West Brom won, Wolves won. Was not a match I was looking forward to watching. But what a game, Jim. It was really good, wasn't so it? So good. I was Proper like, derby without the yeah, fans. Yeah, absolutely. And the biblical rain helped as well. It is one of those ones where you look at it and you sort of think, oh, great. I but, thought I'll watch it because I'm doing Ramble tomorrow, but that's about yeah. it. And because Connor Cody's in my FPL team. <laughs> Um, if it was on at the weekend, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. But my fate it actually had one of my highlights of the season in it. What was that? Which is the the rain 
absolutely belting down, probably the heaviest rain we've seen at a game this season. Sam Allardyce sat in, basically, practically in the stands, and Sammy Lee just barking orders from the touchline. <laughs> I mean, it was too too heavy rain to see if he had him like on a physical lead, but I think he might have had him on a lead, like did a little like tactical instruction pit bull. Did Sammy, he... I'm not getting wet for this shower. You get you get out there and just bark at them. Did he come back to the dugout and like shake himself dry? <laughs> Oh, you always smell when you come in for the rain, Sally. <laughs> you get the Sammy Lee towel out, <laughs> towel down his legs. It was literally exactly like that, though, wasn't it? As Big Sam sat there sort of huddled up going, Sammy, you tell them this. Yeah. Go out, tell them that. And he's screaming as well. Yeah. Absolutely screaming. He loves it. Oh, it was good, wasn't it? And it was, I think the rain just made the game even more intense because obviously when you've got a derby like this, um, obviously West Brom needed the points to give themselves a chance of survival. I know it's slim, but if they'd won it, you'd have maybe given them a bit more of a chance, yeah. potentially. Well, you've got to get that momentum going somehow, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, exactly. But the rain just made this derby actually feel like a proper derby, didn't it? Good. Th- yeah, do you not think the situation as well helped mm. it feel, or, or what, I suppose made it conducive towards a bit more of an attacking game? I reckon if this is in the first three months of the season, this is quite a dire affair. Yeah. But because West Brom have a bit of a free hit, as do Wolves, because then you know they're not really progressing any further up. I think what they're six points off like tenth Wolves now, so it'll take a mm. bit to finish in the yeah. top half. They're not going to get relegated. West Brom need to play their shot, so I suppose it kind of it kind of makes sense. But yeah, it's just another nothing result for West I, Brom. Uh, I tell you, he didn't fancy the rain. Referee Paul Tierney pretended he hurt his calf at half time. <laughs> <laughs> Thought, nah, 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 I'm not doing this. I've had too heavy a bank holiday weekend. <laughs> yeah, I've I'm done a bit. Let the fear win. <laughs> I only had one meal on Friday. <laughs> I was sick. I need, I need some time off. I've only, yeah. I can only handle 45 minutes. <laughs> what is it about a referee getting injured that just is? It's quite amusing. It's, yeah, it's weird, reason. isn't it? It just doesn't seem like it you should happen to them. It like happens not, to like they're just a PE get teacher running yeah. about. Have you got injured? <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, any one of those other people on the pitch get injured. We're like. It's just so unfortunate, you know. It's a footballer's career, and it's such a, you know, such a short time. Referee does that. <laughs> Look at him! Yeah. Look at this pathetic man. <laughs> Imagine having muscles that hurt, idiot. And of course, with so the sort true. of Hollywood stage of that rain, who's ready to step up? Of course, it's Mike D. <laughs> of course, he is. Come in, the saviour. They didn't change referees; they upgraded referees. <laughs> yes, right. That meme where it's just the upgrade button. Someone <laughs> press that <laughs> PG mole or whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> Did he come on and just like the reins put were on everyone but him? Yeah, there's yeah. like a a little sort of thing over the top of him where it just wouldn't touch him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Dean, the he would be of the, day. the rain. No, <laughs> get off me. <laughs> he would be a referee. I imagine would would re- the first referee to do so in a, with an umbrella. I think <laughs> yeah. that, I think that'd be pretty flair. Just imagine. strolling through about. No, no, play come on. on. No. <laughs> You'd love to see it, wouldn't you? You really would. Um. Fabio Silva's goal was uh, the sort of thing that happens to you when you're definitely getting relegated. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. But also the sort of thing that happens to Fabio Silva as well. Yeah. Yeah. A player desperate for goals. And he celebrated like it was the best goal he'd ever scored, bless him. Yeah, it, he celebrated like he knew like the technicality of it that it was going to be awarded to him. He mm. was like, no, no, they'll slow it down and see that it came off me last, yeah. so it's fine. It's my, definitely my goal. When I, I actually when I first saw it, I actually thought Bloody hell! That is that is one heck of a goal. Like as in, I thought yeah. I thought he kind of did like a half chip shot, and then I saw the replay. And, oh no, he's <laughs> just literally come off the West Brom player. The way it bounced. Do you remember? Um, sorry to bring him up, Jim, but do you remember Meza Urza used to do this finish where he'd hit the ball into the ground? Yeah, it was pretty much every time he ever shot, he did that. But, but there, there was a someone did a montage, and it it was made to look deliberate because he'd do it when the goalkeeper would like go down to stop mm. a low shot, and he deliberately scuff it into the ground and, and it would b- bounce over the keeper. It looked a little bit like that, but the di- the, the height it got on was like, that's, no, that's too much. Yeah, no, no one can mean that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, another goal for him. Look, it's been a difficult season for Fabio Silva, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's nice just to see him get on the score sheet. Any kind of goal, you'll take a little bit of confidence from, won't you? Definitely. And you know what? I think Wolves actually deserve a bit more credit than they're getting. They are having a pretty average season by their own standards, but that's just because they've set such high standards in, in the short time they've been in the Premier League. Obviously, they've missed Raul Jimenez for a lot of the season. They played so many games in the last two seasons. Like They they are a team where you might, you might have a look at them as an outside bet for being kind of dragged into a relegation scrap, and they've not gone anywhere near that. Yeah. So I think you know they've done really well. 
Uh, West Brom, on the other hand, I mean, look, it's um, it's looking pretty dire for them now. They have to win all four of their remaining games and hope that none of the five teams above them win another game. So a pretty simple job left for Sam Allardyce, isn't it, Vish? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe send Sammy Lee to go and, I don't know, like cook some of the food at those respective clubs and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's been it's been pretty dark. I, I covered that um, that Chelsea game where they won five two, which was the first game after the international break. And you were like, it, that was such a freak result. You were like, mm. oh, I wonder how much confidence they can take from this. And to be fair, because they had such a low base confidence wise, you were like, okay, well, certainly going forward, they seem a better proposition, even with Chelsea down to ten men. Mm. Then they obviously go and beat Southampton three 0 and you're like, ah, this is yeah. this is, and then you know, they just lost the rest of those games, haven't they? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, they lost one and then drawn the last two, but they've they've given themselves too much to do. It, it does make you think. I wonder what what the long term game here is for Allardyce. Is he going to continue being this perennial coming in when it's the worst game, when teams are in a bit of strife and, and trying to lift them up, or does he like? I look at him and I think sometimes, you know, he he, he invites it on himself with some of the things that he says and some of the things that he has said. But I wonder for his benefit if he might actually just fancy just taking over a club properly. Yeah. yeah. And so, just like, sh- sh- actually, just why don't you just show people what you're about? Even actually, even if you don't really give a shit about that, surely it's more enjoyable to manage in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as well, I mean, a lot's been made about how he's never been relegated from the Premier League, um, and I wonder what that would do to him if if they go down. And it looks very, very likely, of course. Might he want to stay and bring them back up at the first time mm, of asking? Possibly. You would think yeah. he could do that if, as long as you know, he was backed and and you know, they could get the right players in and I would imagine he'd be enough of a draw in the championship that would make that fairly straightforward. Maybe he would want to stick around. He's, yeah. he's already been talking about, you know, what, what they, you know, he reckons his future will be decided quite quickly, but yeah. I think they'd be, they'd be pretty mad to sack him, I think. Yeah. Can I ask you very quickly, Jules, have you ever worked with him? No, I haven't. Right. Because I, I, I've wondered what he's, what he's like, because he, he's big, <laughs> rent is a bit harsh, I was going to say that, but I, I think he... He plays to the questions that he's asked, and and a lot of that, I suppose, is on you know us in the media on the um, written side, and and maybe in broadcast where you're like, oh, it's Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce talks about these things, so let's yeah. ask him about these things. But I do wonder if if we're maybe losing sight of a manager who's, who's done like some pretty remarkable things with his career. Certainly, that Bolton team was yeah. was a joy yeah, to behold. They were a lot better to watch than he got credit for. Yeah, as well. yeah, absolutely. And I I do wonder if if. You know, again, as I said before, like maybe he doesn't really care. Maybe he's happy with where his career is and what he's achieved. But I wonder if he's. I mean, I would quite like to see it. Like, give yourself two seasons somewhere. Yeah, I think whatever happens though regarding West Brom, um, Big Sam hasn't forgiven his career's advisor. He did an interview recently, and he said, "I never bothered about school. Teachers were a pain in the backside. Not that I wanted any kids to ignore their education, but all I was going to be was a footballer. No one was ever going to stop that dream." not even the careers officer, when he sat me down and said I was stupid. So if that career officer is still alive now, up yours. <laughs> I mean, we are... If, if he's still alive now, he's an old man, and you're, te- you're telling him to go fuck himself. <laughs> we are at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to score settling there, are we not? That is absolutely unbelievable. I love, as well, I love like if he's still alive. If he's I can still imagine alive, him at the yeah. end of that just leaning back in his chair going, he's probably dead now, so I win that. <laughs> yeah, I, win I, that. I feel like he knows what happened to him, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> also, like... Sent Sammy, out, sent Sammy around to sort him out. <laughs> yeah. Shout him to death. Um, I... To be fair, I reckon if you're a school's teacher, the number of kids coming up to you saying, oh, I want to be a footballer, I think it's your job to tell them that they're stupid. Yeah, they're like, no, you right. should probably yeah. like, get a backup plan here. Like, it's ridiculous. Get yourself a trade. Yeah. I w- Sammy, I know you're only 16 and you've already got a moustache, but come on, you've got to think this through. <laughs> I wonder what David Moy's career advisor at school told him. Uh, David Moyes probably said, "Get out of the one, river sticks." One day, I want to manage a club in the Champions League, and I'm going to do it with West Ham. I bet they said, "No, you won't." Well, guess what? <laughs> Go on, the Hammers. They beat Burnley last night two one. They are so close, and you almost feel like David Moyes now has gone from. I think a couple of months ago, he was a bit like, "Ah, oh, if we get to April and we're still in with a shot, then I might start to believe." Well, guess what? It's May. And they are so close to doing it. And you can almost see that he's getting a little bit excited. It's great. Um, It's just, it's it's wonderful to see, isn't it? I'm starting to think is like, did he knock me into the canal? Possibly. From the spirit world. Has he had enough (laughs) of me calling him the ferryman, taking the piss out of him? And now he's like, "Eh, see what I can do? Get in there. 
he, I, th- I, th- I think he had something to do with my Uber on Friday, actually. Yeah, maybe ah, he did. Yeah. There you go. It definitely wasn't my fault. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for West Ham. I don't think they're going to do it. You don't? Champions no. League or Europa League? No, no, Champions League. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit beyond them. Just because of Chelsea's renaissance now and how like ruthless they are under Tuchel and the fact yeah. that Leicester's fixtures are a bit better than, than West Ham. Spurs are in the mix now as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it would be great because it'd be fascinating to see how West Ham go next season, even with the Europa League, really, because, you know, they've got they've got a decent squad, but it's quite a small squad. And I think we saw that with their midfield yesterday, which was pretty flair for, for yeah. David Moyes' side. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's done brilliant things. You know what? He's done probably what Allardyce might be tempted to do in that his reputation was a He'd been bashed quite a few times, not least with that first thing at West Ham where he basically fucked up his own contract, where he yeah. didn't have any any contingency plan after it because he kept them up. But yeah, he's done, he's done remarkable things. And I, and I think all the, the performances he's got out of those players, obviously Antonio probably wouldn't necessarily give him credit for because Antonio is a kind of self-sufficient striker where he just like picks himself up for anything. He's yeah. one of the hardest working footballers I think I've ever like. He's brilliant. spoken to people about. But also he's backed that up with undoubted skill to be operating at this level. Especially because I, th- I think it comes from the fact he's played across a lot of positions, doesn't it? So yeah. it's given him yeah. a, a real understanding, an all-round understanding of not just what he's got getting on the end of, but what the person who's about to put that cross in is thinking. Mm. Um, but yeah, I... Um, I, I, I've, we've all been so impressed by West Ham, but did you, do you not worry for them when you see sort of at the end of the game, they look edgy and they look like they could lose that lead because they've done it before. I've done it a couple of times this season. 3-0. 3-0 up, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and if that happens to them once, it'll probably be enough to sort of like keep them out of the Champions League. But I mean, they finished fifth in 1999. Their highest points total is 62 in 15-16, in where they finished seventh. They're on 58 points now and in fifth. I mean, they are like... They're on course for their best ever season, whatever happens. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, really phenomenal. It'd be great if they could get the Champions League, but even if they finished in the Europa League place, that would that's, still, that's huge. It would still be absolutely huge for them. And, and I think, Jim, as well, is that they've got through quite a tough few weeks as well, not having Declan Rice, mm. losing Mark Noble as well. Aaron Creswell was out for a couple of games. Dawson had been suspended for the last game, came back in yesterday, obviously missing Antonio for three matches. And we saw the amount of changes and... I mean, you've already mentioned it, Vish, the, the type of flair players that they had in midfield as well. I'm not sure how many starts Ben Rama's had for West Ham, but yeah. I'm pretty sure you can count them on one hand. That may have even been one of his first starts in, in the Premier League for sure last night. But I just thought that, that the way that he's been able to manage this squad in this tail end of the season, going into these final couple of matches... You know, I, I think they've, I think they've got a really good chance of staying in these European places. I, I'm with you as well, though, Bish. I don't know if they'll quite get Champions League, but even if they play Europa League football next season, it would be an incredible achievement. And Moy said that himself. He said, "Want to take it down to the final day? Try and sneak in. I'll be disappointed if we don't get European football now." Yeah, yeah, he, he absolutely should be. I was just looking through the fixtures actually, and. Leicester's are quite hard, but they've obviously got a bit of a buffer on them. So they're what they are five points ahead of them. Chelsea are within within three, but then Chelsea are Chelsea. Although Chelsea and Leicester do play each other. Chelsea got Man City next as well. They do, yeah, yeah. And um, Chelsea have got the Champions League to focus on. So there's a lot going on. That bit of the table is actually really exciting, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I hope so because all the rest of it is just really boring yeah. now. <laughs> Give us something, Champions League and European places. Yeah, but yeah, like in in terms of. Um, just how that West Ham team have, have come about. If you look at the majority of them were put together through this, you know, January of 2020, where they're trying to stay up, like Bowen's been one player who's yeah. really propelled them, not just kept their heads above water, but really helped them go further up the table. And Lingard, I... <laughs> Don't I, be bitter. I, I just, no, no, but I want him to be happy because I, I look at the, his performance there and you really It's realize, like an ex that you break up. I just want you to be happy. Yeah, but like, you know, you look, them, look at them from afar and you're like, no, good. Like, that's really good. Because I don't think, I think him and United are, are done really, but I hope yeah. West Ham are able to keep him beyond, um, beyond the end of this season. But imagine he's going to have quite a few suitors as well. Oh, like, massively, yeah. When, when an ex gets with a less attractive person and you think, 
Yeah, I, you know, I actually want you to be happy. <laughs> That's more your level. That's fine. There you go. Yeah. You say that, you'd be happy, mate. <laughs> it's not like that at all. I'm very happy for him, I authentically happy for him. Yeah. I was really happy for Antonio, though, to come back into the side yesterday and score a couple of goals. Um, I really enjoyed his post-match interview as well. You know, he, he had the opportunity to get the, what he called the perfect hat trick when yeah. he talks about shanking the ball and hitting it onto his left, uh, which would have been lovely. It didn't quite happen. Um, but what I did find interesting, Jim, is that he said that he didn't do any of his trademark sort of silly celebrations and the dancing because yeah. he's scared of VAR making him look silly and and, and embarrassing him. That's, that's it's just really sad, annoying. isn't it? Yeah, the, 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 it's a final kind of team Mikhail, in the studio. Yeah, yeah they, we're it. really gutted by that as well. I mean, if you, it's robbed us of Mikel Antonio's smile. That's that's evil. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. It, it needs to change. It needs to, you know, I, I I don't think it's beyond fixing, and I don't think it's going to be kind of like got rid of now. But like, sure, surely that has to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? That is the most human face that we've seen. Is he the, the human face of the problems of VAR? Is Michael Antonio not smiling? <laughs> what could be worse? They could do it like they, um, you know, they they film or when they film TV shows and movies and stuff like that, and they just cut things together that something might have been done in the first take but they might cut the first part of that second take in with the second part of that first take and merge it all together maybe we can have like a little he can do his celebration and then when he scores again we can just tag that on yeah. like on the highlights <laughs> if, we, if we have like a 10 minute yeah. delay on the live footage oh, we, that's what they'll do yeah or there'll, yeah. there'll be like an emoji that comes up oh, on the screen no, like don't. each player's got their own gif that comes no, up no can't <laughs> deal no I'm not having that um, the one thing I will say though is that if it does go down to the final day of the season and Antonio goes and scores the goal that takes him into the Champions League, watch him bloody celebrate. Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. celebrates, doesn't he? He's got to. He's got to. That'll be the real tell, won't it? I suppose. God. Yeah. He's, there's no way he's going to go, but that one might be rolled out for VR, so I won't celebrate. If that if that happens on the final day of the season, he's going absolutely bananas. Yeah. Do you um so he chose Jamaica um yeah, over in, in March. He's going to be one of your reggae boys. Yeah. Um, then he got left out of the squad. Yeah. Should Gareth have a cheeky word? Mm. If he's turned once, he'll turn again. Oh, is there room on the on the barge? I don't know if there's room on the barge. <laughs> you talking about barges? I know. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> That's risky. There's plenty of room off the barge. <laughs> um, in the coverage on Sky last night, Thierry Henry was one of the pundits. Um, he. He's actually really likes Antonio as a striker as well. It's nice to hear other amazing players talk about other amazing players. Yes. Isn't it? I always find that fascinating. And and it was it was actually quite sweet because you felt that when Henri spoke to Antonio in the post match interview, Antonio got quite like, oh, I'm speaking yeah. to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. praise me. He, that's the thing about Antonio. He seems really authentic. And yeah, I imagine yeah. like having someone he would have admired from afar talking to him, and be like, mate, you're a good player. Being like, fuck it. Yeah, oh, I once crashed my car into a fan's house dressed as, <laughs> dressed a, snowman. as a snowman. Now, now Thierry Henry's telling me I'm great on telly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, one of the other things Thierry Henry uh, talked about last night, Jim, something I actually want to get your opinion on. Um, you know, all the things we saw at the weekend with the protests with Man United fans at Old Trafford um, and the kind of Arsenal side of things with that uh, from the fallout of the European Super League. He talks in detail about how Arsenal have lost their DNA. He also said that he, Dennis Bergkamp and Patrick Vieira were approached by the Spotify founder, Daniel Ek, to join the bid. What's your take on all that? But firstly, my take on the, is that the analogy is a little bit muddled because you, you can't lose your DNA, um, <laughs> or even when you're dead. Um, no, yeah, that's still, that still true. there. But I, I get what he's saying, and I, I, just, I do agree with him. And I think it's probably similar at Man United, Vish, in that you feel like your club is part of an investment portfolio, and the drive behind the club is protecting the investment and making it as profitable as possible um, within reason in terms of limiting what's spent the money that is spent to make money and it's like that's not the point that's the, I don't support a hedge fund I support a football club yeah. and it feels like that's been you you can sense that that, that you know, the priorities are by the wayside and you know I I was encouraged actually by the fact that Henri had, has come out in, into the press and said that he thinks if this bid from Daniel Ek ever bears fruit it will take a long time. But that gives the impression that, that, that they're willing to, t to make it take a long time and to stick it out and negotiate and come back with better offers if and when Kroenke sort of knocks them back. And I would also 
really like to encourage everybody to start talking to, to talking about Henri Bergkamp and Vieira as the Avengers because <laughs> love that, <why> not? <laughs> love, love that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is I'm, sensational. I might steal that later, actually. Yeah, what for? Yeah. Piece you're writing. Just, no, just for my, just like in my own my own anecdotes when I talk to my when I next talk to my Uber driver. <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to get that rating up. Yeah, can't give me a point two again. <laughs> um, the the latest on everything that's happened since the fallout of the ESL and, and the protests is that the FA have now begun an investigation, essentially asking the other clubs to grasp. They said uh, we wrote to all the clubs <laughs> to formally request all relevant information and evidence regarding their participation. The Premier League is also set to bring in a new owners' charter as well, committing them to the core principles principles of the league is the quote assuming that that means they have to call it the premiership i mean they could ask for all sorts of stuff couldn't they Vish? yeah they could it's also it's part of me think you know you mentioned there about like how they basically have to grasp on each other that seems like a really i, I don't know i, I I'm, I'm judging that as them not really trying to do anything about it because it, it's that thing where they've asked them for a request that they know they're not going to get full backing for so they can say that well, you know, we tried when they know they're not going to get that information, that then it's not going to be that forthcoming. Mm. No one's actually going to tell on themselves to that degree. They're all going to water down their own participation with it. So that's that's a bit stupid, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, what would be the maddest thing that they could get them to do beyond, you know, adhering to basic human rights? (laughs) 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 What would be the thing that that tips them over the edge? Yeah, because, like, you know, I know, they, Jim, you were part of the show yesterday where they talked about it, but like, the 50 plus one thing, I know that there were a lot of signs about that at Old Trafford over the weekend. It's not that realistic. It's really. not that simple, is it? I mean, yeah. that's the government getting involved and like, you know, saying you have to give away or, or, or relinquish almost half of your company. I, I have no idea how that would work on that yeah. sort of scale. But the, the thing about Daniel Ek that I, I, I quite like is at the very least he says he's an Arsenal fan, which I know is yeah. quite a low bar, but like, you know, the Glazers came into Manchester United and they made no bones about it. They found United attractive because of the brand, really, and the yeah. fact, which is why I think the protests on the weekend were, were really good because I think Manchester United had this image of being like a global clean brand and it got a little bit dirty on Sunday. Mm. You know, it yeah. got a bit messed up and there were scenes that, quote unquote, people didn't like to see and it was the people who profit off United being this kind of glistening embodiment of success and and corporate brilliance and, yeah. and that wasn't there on show on Sunday. Well, over over the past few days as well the Glazers have, have come out and said we, we don't plan to, to sell the club what we plan to do is uh, increase the value we, we want to make this a 10 billion dollar operation rather than a 3 billion dollar operation it's like that's not what the fans <laughs> want to hear that's the e- exact problem you don't understand it's not about the the value on a balance sheet it's about the priority of the club being being to win things and to create happy memories and it's like you've you've got to un- uncouple those things it's like i think we're being gaslit into forgetting that we didn't always have billionaires owning clubs, that that yeah. wasn't the only way that clubs could be successful. Yeah, so yeah, on. Absolutely. All right, I'm sure this will continue to rumble on. We'll ramble on after the break. Um, another corner. I'm not too worried about these corners. I mean, it might come back to bite me here, but I think something we've got the dominant dominancy in the air there, you know, so I'm not sure anyone can get ahead on the first ball for Liverpool, apart from that. Oh, Tim. Oh, Tim Tim. Sherwood. Dominancy. Oh, love him. Absolutely love it. Uh, Welcome back to the Football Ramble, ladies and gents. It is a Tuesday. You've got me, Jules, Jim and Vish here with you. And now it's time for this. That could go on for another 10 minutes and it wouldn't be long enough for me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I put myself there to be, 
you know, I, I wanted to be lauded instead I was ridiculed. And rightfully so. Anthony O'Connor. Bravo. That yeah. was amazing. I actually don't think I'd heard that one before. I basically kept saying email on a show so that people would cut me into it. And that was the one that came yeah. back. Well done, Anthony. Yeah. Bravo. And by the way, um, we'd like some new ones. Why don't you send us some? Um, what is it? Oh, yeah. Show at footballramble.com. <laughs> I've lost the plot today, honestly. I really have. Are you catching some of my fumes from yeah, the weekend? I'm drunk, right. off, I'm drunk off of your uh, your post-weekend fumes. Um, yes, show at footballramble.com. Send us in some jingles. And we are back from the social media boycott. So tweet us at footballramble. We've got some great emails, haven't we, We Jim? do. We've got this one. This is an absolute belter from Richard Burns. Uh, as Manchester City fans, me and my dad were at Wembley for the 1999 Division 2 playoff final. Famously, City were 2-0 down heading into spot- stoppage time before goals from Kevin Horlock and Paul Dickov levelled the score with Dickov scoring on 94 minutes 10 seconds as my dad jumped up his watch slipped off his wrist and hit the ground when he picked it up it had stopped he's never had it fixed so the second hand will forever be pointed at the exact second that Dickov scored arguably the most important goal in our history yes really nothing that has happened to City since that would ever that (laughs) then would have happened without it Uh, to anybody else it's just a broken watch to us it's points at a moment in time we'll never forget do any of you or the listeners have any unique or personal pieces of memorabilia I've got nothing like that that is beautiful that's incredible yeah that is stunning can we see a photo of it yeah I'd love love to to send in a photo Richard that's what a remarkable story and something that like that's just that's so unique isn't it yeah 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 I, I'm trying to think I don't, I don't have anything like that like I mean I, I was I mean I've got a dent on my laptop <laughs> on, my, on my old laptop from the 2019 um, cricket world cup final which went to a super over and I came on the pitch and used your laptop as a cricket bat <laughs> <laughs> Stokes, he used this. Um, no, I, so I had, I think it was my watch I was wearing at the time and I kind of like, I went to like get off my, get up to see what was going on and I smashed it down and there was, there was like a massive, um, like a, a scratch on my laptop and it's from, and I know it's from that, but that's literally it, yeah. yeah that's pretty cool though. Yeah, that's Pretty great little memory. Jim. I might start breaking stuff when great stuff happens. <laughs> like, right, you know this, this is... happened when that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I got that black eye. <laughs> yeah, most of mine are just scars. So yeah. <laughs> broken ribs. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Fair enough. Uh, but let us know if if there's anything that you've got, anything uh, really interesting, any personal pieces of memorabilia or anything that you broke <laughs> when something important happened. Uh, let us know. Show it at bramble.com. Vish, what you got? I've got something from Ryan. Got an email. I've got an email. Got an email. I've got an email. Got an email. Yeah. Well, you fucked up the jingles. Let's not go. From Riley Harland on the topic of, topic of Australian politics and food. I thought I'd add this to the mix. Our Prime Minister of 2013-2015, Tony Abbott, once been to a whole raw onion. He explained this by saying he was trying to show appreciation to the farmers. For fuck's sake. It's a magical place. Anyone familiar with Tony Abbott would, um, would know he's very much uh, capable of that kind of nonsense. Yeah, but pr- probably without flinching. Yeah. <laughs> That's like Creed Bratton, didn't they? In the office, yeah. they, confu- <laughs> they try to trick him by removing his apple with an onion. He doesn't notice. I eat most foods, but raw onion is one of the things that I yeah. really detest. That's a line, isn't it? Like, yeah. Imagine biting into a whole raw onion. I imagine, though, if you did it knowing it was an onion, nah. it would be quite normal, wouldn't it? Cause, because no. do, you, do you not have like raw onions in like salads yeah, and stuff like, like that? Yeah, I don't like it, though. Okay. I fair. also feel like if you're a farmer and you see him do that, is the first <laughs> thing you think appreciation? <laughs> yeah. not. Probably not. I don't even like pickled onions. You know the ones in the jar on a fish and chip counter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I got, but, yeah. but, yeah. So, but those well. like sliced into a sandwich are decent, though. Are they? Yeah, really good. I like pickled onion monster munch. Yeah, see? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? As far as what I sort go. of actual monster wouldn't? <laughs> it's a different kind of appreciation, though. Here's appreciation for the farmers taking up pickled onion monster munch and gnawing <laughs> on that. Uh, show at footballramble.com. Tweet us at footballramble because we are back from the social media boycott that happened uh, this weekend. A lot of the football family, a lot of the sporting world all joined forces from Friday until Monday night uh, to basically come off social media in the hope that maybe some policies on social media will change. And I guess that, uh, Jim, now the hope is that they've seen the collective stand and the kind of united statement that so many people in the media had and a lot of these um, football clubs, companies, etc., took over the weekend. Look, we know that 
It wasn't going to be a case that everyone comes off social media for four days and all of a sudden it's a lovely, happy, peaceful place on social media. No one was stupid in thinking that that would be the case. The hope was that they would maybe listen and see that they need to take this more seriously and that policies need to change. And hopefully that yeah. might happen now. Well, the ball is in the court of the social media companies now, isn't it? And what I think the most immediate change that can happen is, is to their policies about what constitutes abuse yes. because some of them are absolutely baffling. The things, some of the worst abuse you see online somehow doesn't violate the terms of, of these companies. So that's the first change they can make. Also, also, they're huge companies, huge, huge companies. They can afford to have entire divisions of, of actual humans dedicated to this. And I know that they do have that. And in fact, that it's actually quite a traumatic job for the people that do that job. Yeah. But there's clearly, there's not enough people doing that and there's there's not enough in place instagram claim that you know 95 percent of the stuff that the abusive stuff that's posted never gets on there which shows you how much bigger the scale of the problem is than we're already seeing if those figures are, are correct um but clearly they need to be doing more um there's a really interesting piece in the guardian by sean ingle over the weekend about a company called sports radar so um they're at the, the, they they supply something that they call sports integrity solutions to to governing bodies which is you know stuff for anti-doping organizations and um uh, and that sort of, sort of thing and um they did this strange thing where they put in a pilot scheme at a tennis tournament last may to try and identify trolls and they found that 44 people sent abusive messages to players during those weeks and SportRadar managed to track down 21 of those people. They then alerted the appropriate authorities and helped them pursue an appropriate course of action. Um, and now that, that goes from kicking them off the platforms to also getting law enforcement involved, bringing le legal proceedings if necessary. So they've piloted similar schemes in a couple of other sports and they say they have about 50% success rates. Now, there needs to be consequences for this sort of stuff. We've seen interviews over the weekend that I'm sure we're going to come on to with a lot of different people in sport that really, really suffered because of it. And clearly, it is possible to do something about it, but it needs to be taken more seriously. And a lot of the abuse we've seen has been incredible, like horrific sexist abuse. The comment, comments Lee Nickel, the Crystal Palace player made yeah. um, recently, are, are awful. And she's, she's shared images of some of the abuse that she's had. And... It's a tsunami of, of abuse that comes from. It comes from somewhere. It seemed really familiar to me, actually, the, the the tone of what was written about her, and I think that's probably that is because a little while ago I read a book by Laura Bates called "Men Who Hate Women," and it's about something called what's it sounds ridiculous, but something that's known as the manosphere, which is these online communities that are that are very very interconnected, very organised, and it's it's extreme online misogyny, and it's so extreme that it is essentially terrorism, and that sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm I'm really not like. People have died as a result of, of, of young, sometimes vulnerable men being radicalised into thinking that the world's out to get them and that women secretly control the world and hate them and that they're unhappy as a deliberate ploy by, by women, which is obviously absurd, but it, it's having a real world effect. And, I, you know, we have a great listenership here. I know we have a lot of men that listen to the show. And if you, you, know, if you feel there's nothing you can do to sort of stop this tide, one thing you can do is arm yourself with the knowledge and understanding of, of where this stuff is coming from, what it is, how organised it is. And I cannot recommend reading that book enough. It, you know, obviously, you know, the majority of the people listening to, the, to this show, probably, I would hope 100% of the people listening to the show would be an ally of this kind of thinking. But, you know, it can always help to understand where these things are coming from. And I think the scale of what we're trying to, to change here is absolutely massive. And I do think the blackout was actually a useful step in the direction of that if it at least starts the conversation. Well said, Jim. Very well said. What do you think, Bish? I know you've got quite a different opinion on the way the boycott kind of, I guess the the, the whole purpose of it in the first place is sort of your issue, wasn't it? Well, sort of. I, I could understand people, you know, the Premier League and the football governing bodies when they got together, when it was driven by the players, why they would choose to do this. Um, I wasn't totally enamoured with the way that other sports were getting involved because I think it was a little bit opportunistic from their part because I think they all have their their different issues that they need to sort out. And while a lot of them overlap with things like player abuse and um, regards to the abuse within pe people on their in their particular sphere online, I think a lot of it was a bit of black square activism, a bit of um, wanting to be seen aligned with the Premier League and essentially doing it for status to be their by association. Um, 
and I, and I, kind of, I, was, I wasn't a fan. I, I wasn't going to... Um, I mean, I, I was going to kind of actively not do the the social media blackout, but it was, it was something that I wasn't going to participate in because I didn't really believe it. Um, I, don't, I didn't believe that it was going to have any real change. And, and it might not, actually. Looking looking further down, it, it might do fuck all, really. Um, we don't really know. We don't, Those kind of conversations um, or it, with regards to the impact uh, will be had behind closed doors because the whole point of the impact was to impinge on the social media companies themselves mm-hmm. to yeah. put them a bit out of pocket and and see if they're willing to come to the table with, with solutions if we make it their problem as well shame them a bit as well yeah yeah definitely um I, and then I, I spoke to anton ferdinand on thursday who was part of this bt thing where you know draw you, the line the yeah campaign, draw yeah. the line where it's kind of similar to what the bbc did in august of last year where they're like right we're just going to make our our part of social media a safer place by clamping down on it harder than the social media companies are and I was talking to him about it, and, and I, I and I was up front with him, and I was like, I think, I think this is rubbish. I I, I don't think it's going to do anything. This social media blackout, and he was like, that's fair enough, but but it could. It, it's going to hit them in their pockets. And I, I kind of came away from that interview thinking, you know, it may have no effect whatsoever, and it may be something that I don't think is particularly constructive. But I suppose part of being an ally, and part of me, you know, I, I think the end result that they're aiming for is true and just and absolutely where we need to get to. And I kind of squared it with myself that part of being an ally is not picking and choosing the fights that you think you're, you're going to win or they're going to make you look good. Mm. And so for that reason, I, you know, we did it at the Ramble, we did it at the Independent, we did it at the uh, Cricket Writers Club that I'm, that I'm a, a part of the secret- secretarial team of. And so I thought I'll just go along with it. But I suppose the real work starts now though, doesn't it? Yes. In terms of... Let's see how much it's going to push it through. We can't just have another one. The other thing about this is that it hadn't been done before. So now we're, we're testing new ground. And we kind of saw it on Sunday, like stopping games of football because you're against the ownership, doing things like a social media blackout. I, I think it's constructive that we're looking for new ways of rallying against this rather than just going through the same old tired yeah. thing of this has to stop. This is yeah. too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah it. Just, there's, there's been no acceptance of problems lately and it's yeah. a really really good thing to see and it needs to be maintained one so, sorry just very lastly one thing anton ferdinand pointed out which which was absolutely spot on and something that i hadn't necessarily considered is that one of the things that i've seen from players now is that they're publicly shaming people which has been great and he made the point of that yeah but now people are abusing people to be part of those screenshots yeah mm. that deterrent has already gone because nothing actually happened to them they lose their account yeah. but they're like God, look what I did. Yeah. yeah, Ian Wright and shared some stuff with Alan Shearer as well over the weekend that was similar. And this is it. I mean, it's baffling to us, isn't it, why anyone wants to do this sort of thing. But the fact is they do. So there needs, there needs to be solutions to at the root of it, really. You need to, to, yeah. to get to the... It's all well and good banning loads of people and, 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 and whatnot. But we need, to find, we need to find out why people want to do this. Yeah. I, mean, I guess that starts with education. Yeah, and and I think the the other thing off the back of this, and like some people might listen to this show and think, or listen to this segment in particular and think, well, you haven't offered a solution. I think the important thing to realise through the blackout and through the last year is that it doesn't matter if we have solutions in this room. The the you know it matters that social media organisations know exactly what they need to do and they know exactly what they need to do. And it's about whether they want to be forthcoming with those solutions or not. Yeah, Mm. I think the point you make there, though, Vish, about the fact that some people for some reason get some kind of joy out of being one of the people that is being shamed or being part of that screen grab is the exact reason why I never reply to anyone who's negative to me on social media, because they're weirdos. They do it to get a reaction. Why? Why would you react to that? If you Mm. then quote tweet it and go, look at this sexist pig. Yeah. That sexist pig is probably sat there going, look, look, I've got a rise out of her. And that's why I've always, from the very beginning of being on social media and working in football as a female, where you do get a lot of sexist comments, I've never been one to respond to people or to quote tweet them or anything like that. If they're negative, I report it and I mute them and it's done and I never have to see their comments again because then they can't get any kind of joy out of me potentially being upset by their comment or getting annoyed by their comment yeah. because that's yeah. kind of why they do it. Yeah, they like, just want to be in your headspace, yeah, right? Some of them probably don't even mean what they say. Some of yeah. them just see that, oh, well, that other female sports presenter 
has quote tweeted this and maybe that one will do the same and I might get a response from her. I might get, you you know, I might get loads of people responding to me. Don't do it. Don't give them the attention. So often as well, when they are, on the rare occasions where there are consequences, like that father and son who sent abusive messages to Harry Arter, which were absolutely disgusting, absolutely just abhorrent and just inhuman um, based on on what they were saying to him because him and his partner had recently lost their their child. Absolutely disgusting. And when they were were called to town on it, when when they actually went to court about it, they were both saying, oh, we, we, we just thought it was a bit of a laugh. It's like, firstly... Why do you think that's a laugh? Why is that funny? Or why is that funny to you? But even if you have the sort of insane sense of humour where that is funny to you, like just how can you not understand there is a person on the end of that? How oh, how is, is that your kind of your, your your pastime? It's just absurd. And I th- I think you know. I... But that that sorry that that tallies in with um, so BT did this um, survey through um, through YouGov, and they found that one in seven people thought that people in the public eye, sports people, people in the media, deserve abuse. Like, it, mm. it should be expected that they're going to get abuse. And those, that, you know, that father and son are part of that, you know, one-seventh who, yes. who think, right, well, you know, they're, they're, they're used to this, so this is water off a duck's back to them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think that the issue is, is that people don't understand the difference between criticism and abuse, and that needs mm. to be pointed out. Football players, football managers people who work in the media understand that are going to be criticised. Yeah. There's a difference between being criticised and being abused. Being criticised is a very different thing. People can take criticism. People know they're not perfect at their jobs. Yeah. People know you're going to have an off day sometimes and that's okay. But to be abused for it is a very different thing. And it's something that I spoke to Karen Carney about as part of the Draw the Line campaign with BT. I sat down with her and had what was a really difficult conversation, I'm not going to lie, because Karen's not just a colleague to me, she's like a mate. And what she went through in December with everything that happened with Leeds was horrific, absolutely horrific. And because she is a friend of mine, I've spoken to her countless times about it, but this was the first time she spoke publicly about the incident. And it was incredibly hard to do as her friend to sit there and actually hear her talk about how far that actually pushed her she was suicidal over it she was she was pushed so far that it actually made her have those kind of thoughts and that's really horrible because all of us that that work in the media footballers people that are in the public eye you understand that you're going to get some kind of criticism. You understand that, okay, occasionally you'll get abused. Not that it's okay, but you understand it. And some people can handle it better than others. Mm. So I get abused every every week. It happens. Mm. People are sexist all the time. It happens. I can handle it to a certain extent. Obviously it upsets me. I'm not saying it doesn't upset me. You, you, you're not a human being if it doesn't upset you. But what upsets me more is when they get to people who can't handle it. Yeah. And that yeah. is the worst thing because you can't do anything to help them. And the social media companies have to do more now. Karen herself told me that she's been sat in government calls with these social media platforms as well saying, like, why can't you do more? You need to do more about this. And, and I think part of it is that it takes so long to find just the what one person, one perpetrator, if they don't have any links to their account. So that's why something needs to change with the way accounts are set up, with policies, as you've already mentioned, Jim, on exactly what they regard as abuse. Because some of the things that they don't regard as abuse is absolutely ridiculous. It's like yeah. ha- some of the comments that they've used as examples, and um, and they're saying like that's not racist. It's like how is that not racist? What else could that be? Yeah. It's come out a lot with the um, with a lot of the anti-trans movement on on social media as well in terms of like what is and what does constitute hate, which which in itself like they they're pushing to to rewriting of those of those social media laws. But it's interesting that you say that you're strong and you can handle it. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who um, you know I won't name her, but she she's quite prominent in in media and has been in Australia and stuff like that. And I remember. She was telling me about it, and I, I said to her, as a compliment, um, like I'm so impressed, you're so strong, and she, and she just went. And I remember the look in her eyes, and it was harrowing. But she just went, I'm like, I'm so tired of being strong. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, no, that that is it. That yeah. is it. I think I've I've always sort of, 
I don't know, there's part of it is that I don't get it as much as other people as well. And I don't know why that is. But like some of my other female colleagues that work in the football industry have had it a lot worse than me. I'm not really sure why, but um, I do get I do get the comments. I don't get them as much as some of my other friends who maybe work on bigger channels like the BBC. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it's just something that you learn to deal with. It's it's weird. Like, I don't want to have a thick skin. Yeah, I'm a really emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve and you know, that that is the way I am. And I love communicating with people because there are so many positives to social media as well with, you know, all of this negativity that comes with it. The whole reason we're all on social media is for a purpose. It's because it serves as a news platform, but also allows us to communicate and to stay in touch with friends and to speak to people who follow our work. Like that's that's a really nice part of social media. And there are so many lovely people who follow me and that I follow back on social media and we have great conversations. I've, I've made some friends out of listeners mm, that yeah, listen yeah. to The Ramble, for example, you know, and like, that's lovely. I, I, you know, that's, that's a really nice part of it. But then you have to develop a bit of a thick skin for the dickheads. And I don't want to do that because I'd like it to just be a nice, harmonious place. But unfortunately, that isn't the world we live in. And I'm not jaded to think that that is the world we live in. You just sort of, you do have to deal with it. But there, look, there are days where I do I find it hard. Of course I do. And, course. and, 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 you know, it's that classic story of you can see a hundred nice comments, one bad one. And it's the one bad one that puts you in a bad mood yeah. and upsets you. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. And it, I mean, this groundswell is, is probably useful because generally the more seriously something is taken, the more seriously it will be, it will be addressed. I think we are getting to the point now where the, the government needs to, to think about this and to, and to just, just be a bit better on it. It's encouraging to hear that Karen Carney has been in yeah. government meetings that yeah. they are taking place at all. But yeah, it's um, it, it, this has to just be the beginning rather than a sort of token kind of yeah. gesture. She was keen to say that she feels like people like her, people that have been abused, who have been targeted on social media should actually be working for social media companies and actually be saying, look, this is what we need to do. This is what you can this do. This is the reality. Yeah. And hopefully some positive will come out of what has been four days off social media, which, by the way, I found really hard not to tweet that guy Welbs <laughs> when Brighton beat Leeds on Saturday <laughs> and that goal went in. What a goal it was. I mean, we are staying up, I think I can say. I think, so. I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. Staying up I'm, I've gone early. No, it's not mathematically. Now it'll be really funny if you go down. <laughs> Do you remember earlier this season, Bish, I went, Man United aren't going to win the league. And you went, clip that up. It was it was months ago. I know you're not going to win the league. I know, yeah, but we're still right. So you no, just no, want us, you no, to be correct. Is that it? <laughs> no, my point is is that you actually at one point came pretty close, and I was getting a bit nervous. That it was going to come back to haunt me. So hopefully this doesn't come back to haunt me. Well, like, it I mean, be fine. bear in mind, like near the start of the season, I was saying that Ole should go. Yeah, that's true. So I, I went quite strong on that one. So It'd be good to go back to the first shows of the season, wouldn't yeah, it? Probably not. Probably we, all, we made our <laughs> predictions, didn't we? Some um, of mine are going to come back to bite me. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm um, looking forward to that. Imagine the abuse we'll get for that. I know. Oh, God. I feel that new legislation will be in my <laughs> What are your predictions for what should be an amazing Champions League game tonight? Man City have the advantage against PSG. Who knows? Is Mbappe going to play? Of course he's going to play. This is all... This is definitely mind games from Poch, isn't it? He's in the country. He's going to play. Yeah. I mean, it's it's they're big. I know, like you know, they're really they're struggling a bit relatively in Ligue 1, but um, this is their biggest game of the season. You got to play him. He's yeah. definitely going to play. He makes it, rested it, I, at the weekend. Yeah, even yeah. at eighty percent, he makes some of the best players in the world look like mugs, and and they need him. Yeah, a fifty percent Mbappe calf is still better than most players. Two calves. Exactly. Isn't it? It's a it's a thin smoke screen that we can all see through easily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think? They're gonna get through? They're I going think to the City final? will get through, yeah. yeah. I think they've got they've done enough in that leg. I think Guardiola's right. I don't think they'll be able to control the game as they did in the second half for certainly not for, for all of it. So they're not gonna have it all their own way, but I think I think they're they're ready. I mean like I I look at this game and at one point like part of me is like, God, what what a what, what a real state of, of football at the moment that these, you know, two moneyed Gulf states going at it. And also just like, just, I want to suck on this exhaust. <laughs> I, want, I want all of it. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. The in my lungs. Yeah. Ah, love it. Can't wait for it. Uh, Champions League returns tonight. Eight o'clock kickoff. Man City against PSG. We'll see our first uh, Champions League finalist uh, later on tonight. Um, thanks for joining us for today's show. If you enjoyed it, please do drop us a review on Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help other potential listeners come and find us and join this weird crew that we have here. And Vish, you're back tomorrow. You're going to be here with Luke and Kate. Jim, it's been a pleasure as always. Vish, good to see you. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.